Well, we are concluding and winding up the Sermon on the Mount series in a 17-week process. Uh, this is the, the longest sermon series that uh, I've, ever, I've ever personally been involved with, I've ever preached. And so it's a 17-weeker. But it's been good. It's been, I've really enjoyed it. And hopefully you have too. And uh, this, uh, today we're going to be talking about something that I, I remember from my childhood. You know, when the, uh, the wise man built his house upon sand, or the rock, the wise man built his house upon the rock, you know, and then, the, and then the rains came down and the floods came up and you have the whole song. And I remember that from Children's Church. And it's just been one of my favorite, favorite stories all along. And as we were going through the Sermon on the Mount, I just couldn't wait to get to this place. As we, where this lies, Jesus is telling to what we're supposed to do with his words. He's just given us the longest sermon that's recorded in any of the Gospels, the Sermon on the Mount. He's given us all of these teaching and all of this different stuff. And now, right at the end, as he's wrapping it up, as he's about to close this thing down, we've been in it for chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7, he's telling us what we need to do with these words. He's given us all these words. He's given us all this teaching. Now, what do we, what do, we do with it? You know, so many times that's one of the things that that is a uh, can be intimidating. I told somebody last week, man, I'm almost ready to not learn anything else. My plate is full with trying to implement what I already know I should be doing. All the stuff that I see in the in the Word, those stuff I'm I'm working overtime just to make sure I'm putting those things into practice. I don't want to learn anything new, but God is continually continually moving us forward and taking us forward. Well, as we come into this, as we come into uh, the end of the Sermon on the Mount, we're looking at the wise and the foolish builders. And uh, we had a good big downpour yesterday, and you know, when you get a good rain, you always think about uh, make sure your foundation is solid. Somebody's, uh, somebody's creek's rising whenever you get a rain like that. Well, the wise and the foolish builder that were there in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. So let's read it. I'm reading out of the NIV. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. You had two builders, you had two houses, you had two different results. While we were on our trip this uh, back in 2008, uh, we got to finally made it a over to uh, Charleston, which Charleston, South Carolina is just gorgeous. It's one of our favorite stops that we made. We were there at a great church called Seacoast, and uh, got the opportunity to be there. Greg Surratt, and they're just their huge 20,000-member church, and, and uh, they kind of pioneered the video campus thing that's happening all over the U.S. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, people showing up and watching a screen and having worship, but it's uh, people are just churches are just popping up all over the place but this church pioneered that and, and uh, 
Greg Surratt is one of the kind of the founding guys, uh, part of one of the organizations that we're part of, which is ARC, Association of Related Churches. He's just a really cool guy. And I got the privilege of getting to go into their one of their staff meetings. And this was there where they were planning what they were going to be speaking on. And he happened to be planning to be speaking on this, on building a solid foundation on the wise and the foolish builder. Well, uh, we have some good friends that used to live here in San Angelo that had had previously lived in Charleston. So when we showed up to Charleston, man, they were telling us all the places that we needed to hit. And one of the first ones they told us we needed to hit was the Isle of Palms. And so <clears throat> Rhonda calls us on the phone and says, you've got to go to the Isle of Palms. You have to go see all of these beach houses there on the Isle of Palms. And so, of course, we are going to go, and we love to look at houses anyways. So we're like, okay, we're going to go. We're going to go and check these, these beach houses out. So we cruise down and go down to the, uh, to the Isle of Palms, and we're going down there, and they're just, these are just these gorgeous three-story homes on, the, on this beach, and they are just incredible homes. I mean, they're phenomenal. And then we're stopping. I'm like, you know, I'm, we're from San Angelo. You know, we're in San Angelo real estate prices. You know, it's, and uh, so we're thinking, okay, well, these, these are beachfront houses. These are going to be some pricey homes. So there was a couple of them that were for sale. So we decided to, uh, to pull you know, one of the papers. You know, that would have been a neat place to live. We didn't know where God was going to have us put. We didn't know we were coming back to San Angelo at that point. Like, hey, man, maybe we found our future home here. These are gorgeous. This is beautiful. So we go and pull a little real estate paper, and, and Q's like, I like that one. That's a beautiful home. And I, I should have known. If she liked it, it was going to be crazy expensive. And... Uh, Anyway, so we go, and it's this, how much was the, the, the one? It was $8 million. This $8 million beach home. I mean, it was just incredible. I'm like, man, you, could, you can build a hotel cheaper than that. You can, like, build an apartment complex way cheaper than that in San Angelo. I mean, that's just, and it is this one house, $8 million house on the beach. So we look at all of these, and we're just in awe and going, okay, we can't even afford to rent it for three hours. You know, this is just, we, I, I was afraid somebody, we were taking some pictures, and I was afraid somebody was going to come charge me for taking a picture, and we were just driving and didn't want to get caught. And I uh, took some pictures, got some gorgeous shots of these homes. So we're going through, well, then we show up. I show up at this uh, uh, staff planning meeting and this uh, deal, and they're, gonna, they're talking about doing this, uh, this sermon series, and, and they're going to be hitting on the, the wise and the foolish builder. So as they're going through it, they said, man, man, we need to go out and we need to shoot you on video. Pastor Greg, we need to take you out there and put you out in front of one of those multi-million dollar houses on the Isle of Palms because everyone of those houses is slowly falling into the ocean. Every single one of them. They, they had all, it had come back and it was a recent deal and that's why there were so many of them that were for sale on there and so it was a, this big stink that they had all of these houses and they had built, they had dug deep, deep piers and they'd gone down but you just could not go deep enough to find, you could not go deep enough to find rock. It was just sand, sand, sand. Just kept going and going and going. And they felt like if they stuck little straws, they stuck enough little things in the ground that it was going to be okay. And all these people had sunk these millions and millions of dollars into these houses that they could do nothing about. But at some point, they were falling into the ocean. They were just going to be gone. And uh, 
So it doesn't matter the structure or how much gets invested in If the foundation isn't there, you can't compensate for adding extra stuff. You can't compensate for making it gorgeous and beautiful. You can't compensate for all this other stuff if the foundation isn't right. And that's the whole point of what Jesus is talking about and making sure we've got a sure foundation. And uh, it, was just, it was just sad that uh, those gorgeous homes were just on their way out at some point. When we look at these guys, we look at the, the guy that built on, we look at the guy that built on the rock, and then we look at the guy that built on the sand, there's some things that are very similar. You know, you would think that they would be, you know, completely different, but there's some things that are very similar with these guys, and we're going to look at those first. The wise and the foolish builder were, were the same in many ways. One of the first ones is, is that they both heard. You know, a lot of times you think that maybe, you know, somebody's foolish because they didn't know better. They didn't hear the truth. They didn't, they didn't have the truth. But according to this, when we look at verses, at, at, um, at a verse 24 and, and verse 26, we find out that both of them heard. It says that any, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man. Then we jump down to verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. Both of them, both of them heard, but both of them had very different results. Both of them had very different outcomes. With, uh, there's a lot of times that, of course, in a family of seven, we can have some miscommunications. I had a miscommunication this morning um, with, uh, with uh, somebody, and that I didn't get my phraseology quite right. And, and uh, anyways sent them a the right message but uh i it, it came out all wrong well, when I, we were a kid so but a lot of times you can hear the exact correct message and you just interpret it wrong you just don't catch it you just don't hear it right i was raised up on listening to uh to country music and so and uh that was what we listened to and and uh loved the old one of my favorite songs growing up was uh juice newton playing with the queen of hearts I don't know if you remember that old country tune. So that's one of my favorite songs, and uh, uh, the I uh, love the old all the old Alabama stuff, and I uh, just grew up on country music. Well, my my baby sister, she had a, a song by the Oak Ridge Boys that she liked, and uh, it was called Juliet, and uh, the song basically goes um, Juliet, Juliet, uh, you got a smile that I can't forget. On the day we met, I made a bet. Someday I would win the love of Juliet. And so it's a nice little rhymy song. Well, we would listen to Heather. Heather loved that song. And we'd sit there and listen to Heather, and Heather just singing this song, and she's just singing it for, with all she's got. And somehow, as she heard that song, she did not hear it quite right. And she would sing, On the day we met, I made a bet. Tomato in the love of Juliet. <laughs> and what's so hilarious is that makes no sense. What does tomato in the love mean? But that was what she heard, so that was what she ran with. It was, and she'd just be singing it with all she's worth. Tomato in the love of Juliet. And uh, anyway, so that's very much a uh, standard uh, family joke. And to this day, if uh, if if I say something and Cutie wants me to really think about it, make sure that makes sense, did you think this all the way through? 
she'll just look at me and say, tomato in the love. And I'm like, okay, I need to rethink this. I need to at least make sure that I'm, I'm remotely communicating this correctly. And, uh, you know, but we all heard. We all heard the exact same thing, but ended up, ended up with different results. We've got these two builders that both of them heard. Both of them heard the Word of God. Both of them heard Jesus' words, but had completely different results. Hearing is so important. But the thing is, is we have to hear with the right ears. Matthew 11, <coughs> Matthew 13, both, <coughs> both of them have references. There's three references where as he who has ears let him hear this is something that's very purposeful it's not just like out you know walking through the store and all of a sudden you pick up on a somebody's conversation by accident you know and it just kind of finds its way into your head this is he who has ears let him hear this is somebody who is paused listening to the conversation they're picking up on it, making sure that they get every little juicy detail they're hearing on purpose they're pulling it in purpose as we're being hearers there's a difference from just getting it in your head and actually bringing it in we have to hear on purpose see mark chapter 4 verses 16 through 20 it says others this the parable of the sower says others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy but since they did not have root they only last for a short time when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and, and, and desires for other things, come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word. All three heard the word. It's not simple in the hearing that is part of the step and we have to do it we have to hear the word we have to put it in us we have to but simply hearing is not enough then we have that both built both of them built it wasn't that one of them you know just decided that they were just going to sit around and do nothing both built and I think that we don't have the option of somebody just punching out and just not building anything we are building, we're constantly building something. We're constantly doing it. Every morning you wake up with a brick in your hand. Sometimes it's just one, sometimes it could be that day you got a whole load of bricks. But all of us wake up with at least one brick in our hand and we're going to do something with it. You could, you know, throw it out the back door and have a nice brick pile in your backyard. Or you could take it and strategically place it somewhere knowing that you're going to have another brick the next day and that something is going to eventually come of this but we're all builders we're all building something could be building a brick pile could be building a deal of scattered bricks all over the place could be having some that are strategically placed and others that are wasted could have some of them that's just a ooh ammo you know that what are we going to do with what we're having all of us Every single one of us are builders. They both built. And it doesn't say anything about, you know, one of them. It was, it's not like the three little pigs, you know, that one built with hay and one built with sticks and one built with brick, you know. They could have looked very similar. They could have looked identical. But what the difference was, 
was the foundation. Both of them were builders. 1 Corinthians 3.10 says, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one of you should be careful how he builds. We're all built. Our lives are going somewhere, and we've got to, we're going to stand accountable for it. The Bible says that all of, the, all of these things are going to be tried by fire, and we're going to have to see if, it, if it's wood, hay, and stubble, if it's worthless stuff we built, then it's going to be burned up. The beautiful thing is, is it says that that has nothing to do with our salvation. It says you're still saved. You're still in the kingdom of God, but you just didn't do anything with it. You started in... But then the other that is built with, with the precious stones and the gold and those different things, that is, what, that is what lasts. But both were builders. We have to make sure that we are building on purpose. The next place that we see that they're alike is both of them had storms. You know, we love to think that you know you you get hooked up with God and you you come into to the kingdom and that the storms of life whoop, are dealt with you're not going to have any more you punch out you're through you no, no more storms no more hardships no more any of that man I would so I would so love to tell you that but it's just not the case we live in a fallen world we have a real enemy that once that once once you once we've crossed over from death to life you can't do anything about that but then he can try to make us ineffective and try to make us miserable and try to get us focused on all sorts of things instead of having a, <clears throat> enjoying and completing our relationship in Christ. There are storms do come and they are going to come. Max Licato in his book, The Eye of the Storm, tells a story about Chippy the parakeet that all of a sudden he looked up and Chippy had been sucked, washed, and blown over. I mean, all of a sudden his, his, world, just got, his world just got turned upside down. And Chippy's, uh, Chippy's owner was going to clean out the bottom of, the, of Chippy's cage. And so a good way to do that is with a vacuum cleaner. You know, you just get in there, get the stuff out. So Chippy's owner took the little hose, disconnected it, and was going to go with the hose in and uh, was going to get all the stuff out from the bottom. Well, the phone rang and just instinctively... Turn, as the phone re turns to go and get the phone, well, moves the hose, it <laughs> chippy. Got sucked into the vacuum cleaner. Well, it's a good thing it was one of the old school bag vacuum cleaners, not one of those bagless. And anyways, it just whoop, went straight into the... Well, the owner realized what had happened, opens up the vacuum cleaner, opens up the bag, and there's Chippy still alive but all dusty. Well, immediately, then freaks out and then runs to the sink and begins to just drench this bird and gets burned, just get all this dust off. Well, then the bird is soaked. So then decides it's going to blow dry the bird. And then finally decides and blow dries this, this little parakeet off. And of course, parakeets are, you know, songbirds. They're happy little, cheery little birds. Chippy was minding its own business, and all of a sudden, man, it had been put through, little Chippy had been put through the ringer. Well, then uh, the reporter who initially had done this story makes uh, a few days later had made contact with the owner of the bird and uh, to find out how Chippy was doing. And the owner's response was, 
Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. He just sits and stares. And the deal is, if we're not careful, the storms of life and all these different things, they can, they can just simply knock the joy out of us. They can simply knock our foundation out from under us and rip everything away. The storms of life are going to come. They come to all of us. And they, the difference is, is how are we going to weather them? One, weathered it just fine. The storms beat, the wind blew, the rivers swelled. Makes it through the storm, no problem. The other one, the rains beat, the river swelled, the winds blew, and poosh, it was over. The house was gone. Everything that they had trusted in, everything they were sitting there huddled up in, they, 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 <clears throat> they lost. We have to make, the storms of life are going to come, and we have to make sure what we're building on is the right foundation. Matthew six thirty four says, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has trouble of its own. This is what this is Jesus' words. You know, we'd rather Jesus say, you know, something cheery like, you know, don't worry, tomorrow's gonna be wonderful. You know? Everything's gonna be okay. You know, do the little orphan Annie song. Tomorrow, tomorrow. And uh that's just that's that's not what Jesus says. It says each day has enough trouble of its own. Quit piling it all up. You're going to get freaked out. You're trying to deal with today's trouble and tomorrow's trouble and next month's trouble and all that on one deal. Boy, that's too much for anybody to bear. Each day's got enough issues to deal with on its own. Man, I really wish Jesus had said something a little more positive and inspirational there. But uh, he, he does tell us that we don't have to worry because... Uh, because we are when we are in him John 16 33 says I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world you will have trouble well, that's not when we get up and quote in the morning is it in this world I will have trouble don't get up and put that one on our you know mirror in the morning although we love the we love the rest of it take heart I have overcome the world that's the exciting part, is that when we're in Christ, the troubles can come, but they can't whoop us. They can't take us out when we're in Christ. He has overcome the world, but there will be where some things against us, and we have to make sure we're on the right footing. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. And I had lunch with a guy on Friday that is into the, he does the cage fighting. He like does the UFC stuff and, uh, as you know, has won money and fights for fun. You know, where they don't hardly have any, just that little bitty six ounce gloves and you tap out and all that stuff. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. You know, but they, it's one of they, those guys just absolutely love doing it, and they train for the fight. They know that it's going to be, and they enjoy a good fight. And, we, and when the, our, our fight of faith is a good fight because it's a fight that we win. Our faith wins. It overcomes the world. But there's still going to be this struggle. It's not just this breeze through life of faith. 
It's not a snooze. It's not a, you know, a siesta of faith. Just kick back and let it, let it all roll. It's a good fight of faith. There will be issues where we have to put, stand, <clears throat> and know what God has promised us and walk it all the way through. The storms of life do come. The difference is, the difference between the two, both heard, both built, both had storms. But the difference is, is, is putting Jesus' teaching into practice. That's what made the difference between standing or falling. Whether or not they put Jesus' teachings into practice. Whether or not they took them, made them their own, and went with it. It is so important that we had looked last week at what we did with, with the fact that our works don't get us saved. It was so important that Jesus laid that foundation before he pulls this in here or else you could simply look at this on its own that it's all about your works. And that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying if you're going to get the benefits of the kingdom, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to live by what he says. You're going to have to put it into practice. It's not just this birthright deal that all of a sudden everything's handed to you. You have to step into it. You have to walk it out. You have to be in this place of obedience. When we look at this, this word, <clears throat> put them into practice. Other, other translations put it, um, he who does the word. And a lot of translations say, he who obeys the word. It's this thing of, of taking it to heart. It is this trust issue. I, he's being our coach, and he's telling us how we're going to do this, and we put this into practice. We're making it work. I so like the, the idea that uh, in the NIV translated it, and, and many other versions translated it, put it into practice. It's not, it's not this connotation of put it into ex perfect execution. Execute this flawlessly, and then everything will be okay. It's put it into practice. Get out there and work with it. Do it. You may not do it right the first time. You may not sit there and hit a home run the first time. But get out there and work these things. Put it into practice. Take what God has, has told, told us and instructed us and put it into practice. Arthur Rubenstein, who is considered one of the greatest pianists ever, talked about practice. And he said that if he skips practice one day, that he notices. Skips practice two days, and his close friends notice. Skip practice three days, and everybody notices. The deal is, is with these things, that as we're, we're taking these things of what God has, has told us to do and instructed us to do, a lot of times as we are, as we are taking these things and putting them into our life, and putting them into practice, we're putting what Jesus has said. A lot of times, whether or not we have done it, when we just kind of begin at the beginning, only really us and God know if we've really put this into practice. A lot of things can be faked. A lot of things can, can be put up on the scene. We go at it long enough, and all of a sudden the people around us begin to catch on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is, this is they're not... They're not doing what Jesus says. They're not, they're not following this. This is why accountability is so important. This is why having people in your life who, are, who you can speak into your life and, can, and you can listen to, but also who you're vulnerable before and you let them know what's going on in your life. They get able to speak and say, hey, what's the deal here? 
I've noticed you've been letting your temper go a little bit. I noticed you've been procrastinating a little bit. There's some things you've been needing to do and you've been putting it off. You haven't been very diligent. I noticed there's some other issues here. I noticed there's some things in the Word that you've, you've been letting slide. It's so important for these people that are around us because eventually we don't put Jesus' words into practice long enough and everybody's going to notice and there's going to be no correlation with our lives and Christ's teachings at all. Everybody begins to notice. That's where all of a sudden all of the, uh, the, the phrase of just uh, another hypocrite Christian comes from. Are they still a Christian? Absolutely. But the deal is when things don't begin to mash, the thing, we're not putting these things into practice, <clears throat> then, uh, then they're not going to yield what they're supposed to yield. The storms of life come and the, the, the house doesn't stand. Mark chapter 4 verse 20 says, Others like seed sown on good soil hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. This is hear the word and accept it. You know what? Sometimes that's the hardest thing is accepting what the Bible says about us. There are people that have a hard time accepting that God loves them. There are a lot of people that have a hard time accepting that God has forgiven them. There's a lot of people that have a hard time accepting the fact that God wants to bless them. That God's not out to get them. That God wants to see their lives blessed and increased. A lot of people have a hard time. They read it and and it applies to everybody but them. If we're really going to put it into practice, if we're really going to do it, we have to hear it and accept it. We've got to make it our own. Chapter 11, verses 27 through 28 says, As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the woman, is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. It's not just somebody who has some sort of connection with Jesus. It's those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. He's given us the words of life. And that's where the blessing comes from. John 9, 27 says, He answered, I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? This is a guy who, uh, <clears throat> who received a miraculous healing. And he's being quizzed down. And they keep coming at him. What's the deal? What's the deal? Keep telling us. And he's finally like, why do you want to keep hearing these stories? Or you want to become his disciple? He is equating this desire to hear with, a desire, with this desire to put it into practice. The two go together. You keep wanting to hear what I have to say. Or you want to be a disciple? Oh, and they got all upset. No, they were looking for a loophole. They were look, look, looking at, to hang Jesus out. But this desire to really listen, to really hear, and it's connected with putting it into practice. James 1, verse 22 says, Do not merely... Listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Jesus didn't give us just this wonderful pep rally and tell us all this stuff just so that we could go about without, with unchanged lives. It ought to get on the inside of us and begin to shift us. It's the Holy Spirit who's moving us and taking us forward. Now I've got to remind you, doing practicing all this does not equate salvation. It doesn't get us saved. We already covered that last week. 
This isn't about trying to earn salvation. This is about having the abundance. He called, he's <clears throat> saved us and came so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. If we don't put the stuff that he says into practice, we're not going to have it more abundantly. Earlier this morning, the uh, Tim Howard, who was in uh, doing our children's this morning, he uh, had my, my little daughter, Lyndon, back there, and they had a little ball, and he was teaching her the proper form. He's a basketball coach. And uh, teaching her the proper form on how to shoot a ball. And uh, she likes basketball, and he was teaching her how to do it. Well, she's heard it, but the only way that's going to give her any long-term benefit is if she puts it into practice, that she actually does it. Matthew 5.19 says, Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands we will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Please take notice <clears throat> that the one who does not practice is still in the kingdom of heaven. This isn't about earning salvation. We get salvation one way. We get it through faith in Jesus, and that is it. That is the only way. But as far as living out and enjoying all the blessings, because we have life and death set before us, we have to choose life. And to choose life means to take Jesus' words in and to put those things into practice. That's what he wants for us. So the wise guy, the wise man, he built his house on the rock. He's the one that heard Jesus' words and did it. He built on the rock. We see that even God himself builds on the rock. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 says, And I tell you, you are, <clears throat> and I tell you, tell you that you are and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it he had just made the declaration that Jesus is the Christ the son of the living God he is the Messiah he is the one that came to save the earth and he says and God and Jesus says right here that's the rock that 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 God is building on he's told us to build on the rock of Jesus God himself is building his church on the rock of Jesus it's good enough for God. It's good enough for us. I 